Welcome to Aches and Gains, a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, pain specialist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Pain has reached epidemic proportions, and chronic pain affects a staggering 25% or more of the population. Its human impact is real and is felt by infants, children, all the way to older adulthood. But there's hope and there's treatment. This show offers compelling stories of those who found relief and offers insight into treatments that can ease pain and human suffering. A lot is expected out of children today. In addition to getting good grades in school, most children also participate in one or more sports-related extracurricular activities. Today, however, child athletes are increasingly at risk. They begin as young as three in youth sports and specialize early. This leads to more injuries and pain that may never go away. Today, we'll hear from Mark Hyman, author of the book, Until It Hurts, America's Obsession with Youth Sports and How It Harms Our Kids. Mark interviewed coaches, trainers, sports medicine doctors, and surgeons to understand the magnitude of the problem. Then, Dr. Lyle McKaylee, one of the world's leading authorities on sports care and young athletes, will tell us what we can do to protect our kids from becoming harmed. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Hi, this is Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Today, I'm talking to Mark Hyman, who is the author of the book entitled Until It Hurts, America's Obsession with Youth Sports and How It Harms Our Kids. Mark is a former sports writer for the Baltimore Sun, and he currently writes about sports for Business Week. He's a journalist, a coach, and a sports dad. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me, Paul. The book is extremely compelling, and the first question I have for you relates to a running theme that I believe exists in the book, which is that kids are afraid to tell their parents or their coaches that it hurts, that is, that they have pain and it hurts, and they continue to practice and play through their pain. Why is this occurring? Well, I think that kids are very good at picking up on the cues that their parents give them. And youth sports is very important to adults. We're very invested in the wins and the losses and the successes that our kids have on the field. And I think that they pick that up and they don't want to disappoint us. And I tell a story in the book about a child who had a, an elbow injury and actually visited a surgeon in California, was, was scheduled for elbow surgery. And when he was alone with the surgeon, he said, I don't want to play baseball anymore. And I certainly don't want to have this operation, but I'm so afraid of disappointing my dad, I just can't tell him. And that was one of the more poignant interviews I did for the book, and not atypical. It's frequently the case that they cannot face their parents and share that kind of news. So somehow it seems like parents are able to ignore the complaints of pain and discomfort in their children for the potential that that child can become a star athlete. Yeah, I think parents are focused on where a child is going in their sports career. And I, you know, I use that word in quotes. And for many parents, the objective is getting a kid positioned to be a, a college athlete or even a professional athlete. It's estimated that 20% of children experience chronic pain and millions don't receive effective pain relief. 
common causes of ongoing pain in children are musculoskeletal pain in particular. There are some others like arthritis and headache, but musculoskeletal pain is a prime cause of ongoing pain in children. And research suggests that untreated pain can put children at risk for the development of chronic pain in later life. Based on that, what do you think today's youth sports that encourage playing, as you write in the title of your book, Until It Hurts, might affect children? Uh, there's been very little research done that would give us any insight into what their attitudes towards sport will be when they're adults. We don't know whether it will affect the way they raise their children, whether they will continue in sports um, as a result of their experiences. So a lot more research needs to be done in that area. 50% of all youth sports injuries, reported youth sports injuries, are the result of overuse. And by definition, they're totally avoidable. And it's kind of a stunning thing that we're putting our kids in that position. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. We're talking with Mark Hyman, who writes about sports for Business Week and is the author of the book, Until It Hurts, America's Obsession with Youth Sports. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. We're talking with Mark Hyman, who's created an awareness of overuse injuries in young children based on research for his book, Until It Hurts, America's Obsession with Youth Sports and How It Harms Our Kids. I want to ask you about the description of Whitney Phelps, who's the sister of Michael Phelps. Can you tell me what happened to her dreams of becoming an Olympic swimming champion as a result of pain? Now, for a long time, when people in Baltimore spoke about a Phelps who had Olympic caliber talent, it wasn't Michael Phelps. It was his older sister, Whitney, who was a just a dynamite butterfly swimmer and at one time was ranked number one in the U.S. in her event. She began swimming, you know, when she was five or six. And by age 10, she tells me in the book, she'd begun having symptoms that were consistent with overuse injuries, pain in her back, progressed to pain in her legs. Um, by the time she was 12 or 14, she told me that you know, just turning her head could make her arms go numb. But she was very driven and was very focused on this goal of making the Olympic team in 1996. And the adults around her were not as vigilant, I think, as they might have been. And I think they might even agree with that at this point. Her coach drove her very hard and was not terribly sympathetic. Her mother claims that she didn't really know the extent of Whitney's pain. And as a result, by the time she got to the Olympic trials in 1996, she was really very compromised physically and did not qualify for the 96 games. And it was a disappointment that it took her many, many years to, to recover from. Mark, I'm wondering if you know whether she suffers from chronic pain today as a result of the injuries she sustained as a child. I did ask her about that, Paul. She basically is pain-free, but she's not able to swim anymore. I mean, even in a recreational way, she told me that a couple of years ago she got back in the pool and felt great for a couple of laps, and then she noticed that the pain was returning. Whitney's former swim coach says in your book that training methods have changed today. It seems as though there's less pool time, there are injury prevention techniques 
there are ways to help prevent injuries from becoming chronic. And I wonder whether there's evidence of this change in training from other coaches in other sports like soccer and baseball. I think there's a generally there's a greater awareness and that's because of people in your profession who've been very good at getting the word out or at least trying to get the word out that more is not always better. The more baseballs a kid throws, the better pitcher he's going to be when he reaches high school or college. And what we're hearing from physicians is that, you know, it's quite the opposite, that kids have different thresholds than adults and that we have to respect the fact that they are kids and that they do have physical limitations. Orthopedic surgeons who practice in the sports medicine area and pediatricians, I found, are very aggressive and organized in trying to get the word out to youth coaches that a lot of injuries are preventable. In my interview with Peggy Fleming related to ice skating, she said that she trained fairly intensely in the 1960s, but she didn't indicate that she really practiced until it hurt and that she also didn't indicate that her complaints, if she had any, would be ignored by her parents or her coaches. So I'm wondering if you have any sense whether coaches in the 1960s perhaps were more reasonable in the sense that they were more protective of the young and the vulnerable athletes' health. Kids who are aspiring to the highest levels of athletics, for many years, they've been vulnerable to being overused and abused by coaches. And uh, that parents have to make it clear to kids that we want that information. We want to know when they're hurting, when they, they've got symptoms. Your son Ben was a talented uh, youth baseball player and required surgery called the Tommy John surgery. Would you tell us a little bit about what caused, what led to your son's injury and the pain associated with it and his ultimate decision to have the surgery. Sure. My son Ben was uh, a very eager and pretty talented baseball player, and he pitched right through his rec baseball years, and he was also a catcher. And when he was 13, I was the coach of his youth baseball team. And he came to me late in the season and after a game, and he said, Dad, my shoulder is really bothering me. And I think he was expecting to get a response from a parent, but instead he got more of a coach's response, which was, you know, the playoffs begin on Friday, and it would be really good if you could be out there to pitch three innings. So three days later, he was out there. Um, I, I had told myself that, uh, you know, it really wasn't that bad and that if he was having discomfort, I could take him out of the game. And uh, sure enough, he threw about six pitches in that game, and it was clear to me that he, he genuinely was hurt, and it was just a real wake-up call for me. And three years later, um, he was pitching for his high school team, and after a game, he came over to where I was standing, and he said, my elbow is killing me. And uh, a couple of weeks later, we had the diagnosis, which was a, a ruptured ligament in his elbow. And he ultimately, w with our support, decided that he wanted to have this very serious operation called Tommy John surgery, which you know, is basically a transplant operation where you take a tendon from the wrist and transplant it into the elbow to take the place of a ligament. You interviewed Dr. Job, who is the creator of the Tommy John surgery, who said he liked to punch the guy who said, <laughs> no pain, no gain. Why did he say that? I think Frank Job's view is that parents have lost sight of why they're out there with their kids on Little League diamonds. There are parents who feel like if their children have Tommy John surgery, they can actually increase the velocity with which they throw baseball. And if you get to that point, you've really lost perspective on, on what your child's sports life should be all about. Mark Hyman, thank you very much for your time today and for being my guest. Thank you, Paul. This is Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains, 
Up next, we'll speak with Dr. Lyle McKaylee, co-founder of the nation's first clinic focused exclusively on the care of young athletes, the Division of Sports Medicine at Boston Children's Hospital. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. We're talking with Dr. Lyle McKaylee, one of the world's leading authorities on sports care in young athletes. He is the Secretary General of the International Federation of Sports Medicine, a professor of orthopedic surgery at Harvard Medical School, and a past president of the world's largest and most prestigious association of sports care professionals, the American College of Sports Medicine. Dr. McKaylee is the author of hundreds of published clinical studies and scholarly review articles and books. He has appeared on ABC's Good Morning America and was profiled by People Magazine and USA Today. Dr. McKaylee, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thanks. In the book, Until It Hurts, America's Obsession with Youth Sports and How It Harms Our Kids, you mentioned that 75% of your patients suffer from overuse injuries, which seems astronomical to me. What are overuse injuries and where are they occurring in the body? Overuse injuries are injuries that occur from repetitive trauma, micro trauma, really, like repetitive overhand throwing of a baseball, repetitive plie in ballet, and they can occur anywhere in the body. Uh, the, uh, including uh, the neck, uh, ranging down to the feet in the young dancer, for instance, uh, as opposed to traumatic injuries, which are the result of one application of force, like spraining your ankle. What makes treating injury in children different from treating them in adults? Well, the children, children often have different patterns of injury. Uh, they are growing, they have growth tissue, growth cartilage in them, which is also subject to injuries that can be very devastating. They can heal more readily with some of these injuries. So it's very useful to understand exactly how children respond to trauma. Why are overuse injuries occurring today? Well, more and more children are getting what, what exercise they get often in organized sports situations. So, so they're, immediately they're in a training situation. A coach is telling them to do six of this or 17 of that. And as a result, uh, they can overwhelm the body in certain areas and get these injuries. Dr. McKaylee, how is pain managed differently in children compared to adults? Well, pain in children uh, is often very specific. It, there's not often uh, sort of psychological factors involved. Uh, we, we, we really trust very much when a child says there's a certain pattern of pain. They can often specify it. Uh, sometimes adults are trying to interpret what their pain means, and they sometimes give you mixed messages. So it's somewhat easier to deal with pain in children. What are some of the most common sports-related injuries you see in young athletes? Well, we still, the knee still leads the list as far as knee injuries. We have an absolute epidemic of anterior cruciate ligament injuries in young female athletes, for instance. Um, we certainly see back injuries in, in gymnasts. Sometimes the inju- injuries are very much sports-specific, depending on what exactly the sport is demanding of the child's body. When children are under extreme pressure from parents or coaches to perform, do you think they're masking their pain to meet others' expectations? Uh, that can sometimes be the, the case. Uh, alternatively, sometimes children will have the, an injury and uh, it'll sometimes they'll get, get the focus because they may not want to play the sport and they may use a, a specific injury as an avenue out of the sport because they don't mm-hmm. want to disappoint their parents. Right, right, exactly. Uh, can you tell us about the youngest child you've ever treated and the circumstances behind the injury? Uh, well, we've seen children injured on playground equipment, for instance. Uh, we've seen children injured in, in dance training as young as three or four. 
Mm. Uh, we've seen children injured in figure skating. Many of the sports now, traditional age for starting organized sports used to be about six to eight, and some of them are going down below that now. Dr. McKaylee, for those who have kids, at what age do you recommend that they begin playing sports? In general, it's the same age that educators feel they can start to learn in a systematic fashion. That's generally about age five or six. Uh, some children younger. Uh, again, as long as you keep it playful and, and enjoyable and, uh, and doesn't become too regimented too early. Should kids be more diversified in the sports they play and spend less time trying to become a super athlete in one sport? We've often felt that doing a variety of different things through the course of a year, for instance, was a safe thing because it put different patterns of use on the body. However, I would say that the tendency to focus on one sport is now with us in full vengeance. We see it everywhere. Are parents expecting their kids to become elite athletes? That's probably the major contributor, the fact that they, 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 want, again, they want them to excel in one particular area. They uh, see the possibility of perhaps of college scholarships, achieving uh, pre- preeminence in their, in their community often. What are some of the signs that a child might be in pain but not coming forward? A limp. We watch, tell the families to watch out for a limp. Mm-hmm. Uh, muscle atrophy, where one side of the body has different size muscles than the other. Um, Sometimes change in school patterns, sometimes change in sleep habits can be a sign that there's something going on. I see. What sports are the most dangerous for children? It's related directly to the volume of training. It's hard to imagine a soccer team training 20 hours a week. But for gymnastics, for instance, or even figure skating, even ballet, believe it or not, uh, the kids will be training sometimes 15, 18, 20, 22 hours a week. What is it like to deal with parents who, who just push their kids too far? Well, we, we try to take the attitude that, you know, if, if the child has an injury, <clears throat> they may ultimately be eliminated from, from all sports activities, and, and not to fa- mention the fact that it will affect them through their life. Do you feel that if kids are injured when they're very young, like four, five, six years of age, that they're at risk for developing ongoing pain in later life? There's some evidence that some of these, uh, what are perceived as relatively minor injuries, may persist. Uh, the, the child who runs too much may develop um, arthritic changes in their knees, for instance, and there are some studies that suggest that. Are coaches receiving the necessary training to keep injuries from occurring in children? Uh, Usually not. In this country, we have no coaching certification, no mandatory coaching education, except in certain sports, which have safety criteria. But by and large, uh, as opposed to countries like, say, Canada or New Zealand, Australia, we have very few regimented coaching uh, courses. In highly competitive arenas, are some coaches giving medicines like narcotics and steroids to treat pain in children? I think that would be very unusual. There have been some rumors, once again, in some of the individual sports that this was happening. Some of the coaches who would come from the Eastern Bloc countries where this was apparently done, sometimes done even to young children. But I think we're fairly drug-free uh, in, in this country. In 2001, you wrote the book, The Sports Medicine Bible for Young Athletes, that contains hands-on advice for parents with sports active kids, including information on preventing and treating injuries, fitness, sports nutrition, and the benefits of sports for girls. Was this inspired by your two daughters and how they engaged in sports? <laughs> to some extent it was. Yeah, let me, one of my daughters was a da- is, is and was a dancer, and the other played uh, rugby and uh, soccer sports and things like this. And so they, they, they were very active in sports. What do you hope parents and young athletes will get from this book? Because in many cases, that the parent, there's no team doctor in many of the youth sports cases. I want the parents to be aware of the health aspects in particular, when, when they're the telling signs of early injury, um, how to watch for 
overtraining of their children. It was basically a, a, a guideline for children's, and to some extent, it's been used by youth sport coaches. Also, that was so that's been gratifying. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Follow Aches and Gains on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're speaking with Dr. Lyle McKaylee, professor of orthopedic surgery at Harvard Medical School and one of the world's leading authorities on sports care in young athletes. Dr. McKaylee, what are the most important things a parent can do to make sure his or her child's sports program is safe? It's to some extent looking at the credentials of the coach, perhaps even observing practices, listening, listening carefully to the children and what they're describing as their, as their exercise and sports experience. Uh, because once again, uh, you, we don't have any credentialing of coaches, and so coaching can be very variable. In some sports, it's the warm body syndrome. You know, they, they just need coaches so much. These often volunteer coaches that they uh, they have various criteria. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest, Dr. McKaylee. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. Follow Aches and Gains on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Here's a question from Francesca in Tucson, Arizona. What's the difference between a pediatric and adult pain specialist? My son is eight years old with bad back pain from playing football, and I can't find any doctor who can help. That's a great question, Francesca. There are pediatric pain specialists, but most treat kids in the hospital setting only. If your child is under 14 years of age, a pediatric pain specialist is recommended, but they're hard to find because there simply aren't many out there. Go to the American Pain Society website ampainsoc.org for lists of pediatric pain specialists across the country. One may indeed be located in your area. Pediatric pain specialists focus a bit more on how the family and specifically the parents can help their child overcome pain. I would seek out some adult pain specialists in your community and ask whether they treat kids with back pain they'll probably want to talk to your son's pediatrician to make sure that other causes of back pain have been addressed first before considering medicines or rarely nerve blocks. Here's a question from Vincent in Boston, Massachusetts. When should I take my daughter to a pain specialist? She's 13 and has had six months of tight, crampy pain in her thigh every day from swimming competitively. She uses a heating pad and takes Tylenol, but the pain just never goes away. Well, Vincent, I would actually take her now. We consider pain to be chronic if it lasts more than three months, although some experts will say six months. But I'm more conservative and proactive, so I believe that three months of pain that doesn't get better should be examined and treated. 
The goal is to prevent the development of chronic pain because it can lead to things like depression, isolation, job loss, anxiety, and overall misery. This need not happen, though, because we have therapies that can help. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vohr and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.